0: Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Anything that move, I don't care Just do it. Give me everything you got. Play fast. Play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's pulling it It's He's pulling Let's go. Touchdown!
0: You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, and we've got a rematch of Super Bowl 52 as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 216. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I catch up with NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell to break down Exactly what we're going to see here on Sunday afternoon, Lincoln Financial Field, Eagles, Patriots. going to be a really fun matchup. Excited to dive deep into what these two teams are going to offer on both sides of the football here on Sunday. Should be a great matchup. Excited to dive into that here at the top of the show with Chalk Talk. After that, we're going to dive into a player on this Patriots defense. It's a little bit unheralded, a little bit under the radar, but a guy who's been a real impact player for them this year and has seen his role increase dramatically over the last couple of years. We'll get to that in scouting report because it's a really fun discussion on projecting college players to the NFL, but let's not waste any more time. Let's get into my chat now with Greg Cosell. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to welcome back to Chalk Talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, none other than Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Greg, uh, hope the bye week was friendly to you. It was, actually. I'm sure, uh, yeah. like, you know, it's... I mean, it, it doesn't affect my life a whole lot. Well it made your Monday a little bit easier.
1: It, it made my Monday a little bit easier because I didn't have an Eagles game to watch and a Patriots game to watch, no, believe exactly it or not. exactly right. Which yeah. was very interesting.
0: Yeah, the, the NFL did the favor for the Eagles yes. of after having that uh, long road trip, say, oh, we're going to give you... A bye week, and then you're going to play two tough teams who are also coming off their byes. So Correct. New, England, New England's coming off the bye this week. And, and then, then Seattle, Seattle has a bye after, bye. Uh, yes. So that was nice. That was, yeah. that was a nice little tidbit. Yeah. There. Uh, but, all right, let's get into this matchup because we talked a lot about the Eagles and kind of the state of the roster yes. last we, week. Yes. Since that point, uh, there were a couple roster moves by the Eagles. They put uh, Deshaun Jackson on injured reserve, so if he does come back, it will not be until the playoffs.
1: Which we kind of anticipated would happen. Sure, yeah.
0: And then I think also another big one is the uh, the release of Anderson Dejo. Uh, we talked about. You, you
1: thought that might happen because of
0: the the comp- compensatory draft choice. Yeah, and you talked last week about the um, you know, the uh, the prevalence of the four corner dime look uh, from the Eagles uh, when they left right. the field against Chicago. So you saw, you know, Jalen Mills and Avante Maddox inside. We saw Darby and Russell Douglas outside. outside. So uh, a little bit of a change. They probably
1: the knew that was coming with yeah. Sendejo. I don't think they woke up one morning after that game and said, okay, let's do this. Sure. Yeah.
0: we saw a lot of, pre- of press man coverage the last right. couple weeks from this Eagles defense. Last two looks? weeks, yeah. we've seen a lot
1: more man coverage.
0: Yeah. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on uh, for starting sure right. this game. But um, let's start with the Eagles offense going up in the New England, against than the England Patriots defense because, uh, number one, we usually start with the Eagles offense. And then, number two, this Patriots defense has just been so lights out uh, right. across the board. You know, we've got um, these stats, and if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you can see I've got – you can hear it in the piece of paper. Uh, ben Fennel does a great job of putting these stats together for me each week so we get ready for Eagle Eye and we get ready for Eagles game plan. And what i will typically do is if a team is bad in one category, he'll highlight the stat in red. And if they're really good, he'll highlight this in yellow. Now, if you look at this sheet – there's a lot of yellow. Is that the defensive side of the ball? That's the defensive side. That's a lot of yellow going down the street. Where they are top three, they're top five uh, across the board. And well, you lot know of what's categories. interesting to
1: me, and I find this stat fascinating. Maybe others won't. Okay. What is their record? Eight and one. Yes. So they've played nine games. I played did that math games. in my head, by the way. Eight That's, and one. That was impressive. That, was that impressive? You know how many third-down conversions they've given up in nine games? You probably have that in front of you.
0: I think I do. No, I, I have the percentage. I don't have the Well, I believe the
1: percentage is below 20%.
0: It is below 19%. There 18. You go. 9.
1: But— the actual number of third down conversions that have been converted into first downs in nine games is twenty. Think about that.
0: That's it is absurd. That's like, a when,
1: remarkable number.
0: Like I think I'm pretty sure there was like more interceptions than touchdowns allowed. Right, right. Like, There was a, there were a bunch of crazy, crazy stats. That but
1: I mean, out. in nine games to only give up. Twenty third downs that become
0: first downs. Yes. That's pretty remarkable. So a formula for winning football. Usually, yes. Is, yes, yes. Um, all right. Well, let's let's kind of get into this, and I'm thinking we'll just kind of go phase by phase here. Okay. Let's start with quarterback and Carson Wentz and this Eagles pass game going up against this New England secondary and what they'll do from a pass defense standpoint. Um, let's start from a coverage standpoint because we'll get into the pressure afterwards. How do you anticipate the Patriots looking to try and defend this Eagles offense from a pass game standpoint? Because it's a man-coverage-based defense.
1: Well, I'm going to try to think like Bill Belichick, which is impossible to do because he's way smarter than I am. But if
0: anyone in this room can do it, it's you.
1: Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Um, Just in this room. (laughs) Right, right, right. I think Bill Belichick's going to look at this this offense and feel that it's a quick-game rhythm-passing offense that the ball normally comes out relatively quick. By design, yep. by design, there are times obviously guys are covered and it doesn't come out as quick. It's not really a big explosive play type offense. Mm. They might take a shot here and there, yep. you know, with a shot play. So to me, I think he's going to do what they've essentially done all year, which is play a lot of man coverage, press at times, try to disrupt the receivers, which then would disrupt Carson Wentz. Mm. And Take away the pass game that way. Yeah. Um, I I don't see why they would change up the fact that they've been a fairly high percentage man-to-man defense. And we've charted a lot of that at NFL Films. And they play man coverage about 70% of quarterback dropbacks. Mm. And it's either first or second highest in the league. Right. Right. So I, I don't see anything about looking at, at, at the Eagles' offense and having Bill Belichick think that he can't line up and play man coverage.
0: Yeah, and this is a, a defense, you know, you mentioned all the man coverage that they play. You know, we talk about this This is a team that's very multiple. They're very versatile. I'd like to get a definition for you of what, that, what well, that means. What does it mean when we say they are very <laughs> multiple? What does that
1: mean? <clears throat> here's, here's how I would describe them, and we've talked about this before. I would say that in terms of their fronts, they're extremely multiple with their fronts. A lot of different front looks with a lot of different personnel. Mm -hmm. Their coverage is relatively consistent in terms of the man-to-man concepts, but depending on the opponent, the people that play and the matchups that they do are different. That's where the multiplicity on the back end comes in. They play man, but... Some weeks you could have Jason McCourty, who's a corner, covering the tight end. Some weeks, I mean, they do different they things. things with that way. Yep. They're a really tough watch defensively for me, not because I'm confused as to what they're doing. It's because there's so many personnel packages. It's a lot of
0: note-taking. That, yes, yeah. that
1: I'm just trying to figure out why. And, of course, because it's Bill Belichick, sometimes I just have to watch the play six times and then say... I have no clue why they're doing that and right. just move on to the next play.
0: I think what, what's so fascinating about studying, I mean, and, you know, the Eagles, look, they played Detroit early in the year. Matt Patricia, they, they operate right. the same way. They're playing Miami with Brian Flores uh, here in a few weeks, and we'll see the same thing again. I and think Detroit
1: played a lot of man coverage as well. Yes, exactly.
0: Yes. So I think ultimately, you know, what makes it, in my mind, when we talk about, oh, they're a multiple team, you know, you talked about the, the all the variety and the change of personnel in that front seven. What I think is so fascinating is they'll come out and we'll say in a base three four, or even if they're in their nickel, where it's uh, you know three de- defensive linemen, three linebackers, and five DBs. Well, a lot of times their front is two down linemen and everybody else is standing up. Right, and so like <laughs> it might so they might line up. Let's say it's 3 three three five nickel. It might look like a three four where they come right, out. And there's three right. guys lined up over head up over tackles, and you've got two guys standing up off the edge and two stacked players. Or they might come out in a 5-over-5, five five, or they right. might come out in a 4-2, kind of what you were saying, right. where you've got well, they, all these different looks with the same personnel. So you can't kind of get in on what their tendencies are and how they're going to line up. Oh, this run look, if they come out in this personnel, we're going to call this run play. You can't get synced up in, term, in terms of what their tendencies are from a formation and a personnel standpoint. It's a
1: great point. And I think what people have to understand, and I learned this years ago from talking to coaches and as I watched more and more tape, as I kept learning and learning, is fronts are not dictated by the number of people with their hand on the ground or the number of people standing up. Right, yep. You know, people say, well, they were a 3-4. Right. Well, they might have three guys with a hand on the ground and four guys who are standing up, but that doesn't mean they're playing what's considered a 3-4. You could still be playing a one-gap defense, which mm-hmm. most teams do, by the way. Yep. When you have three people with your hand, the hand on the ground, and four people standing up, so defensive fronts are
0: dictated by the gap concepts, not by who has their hand on the ground. How many times do they come out in their, you know, their big nickel or their dime? And Patrick Chung is playing as an outside linebacker in what would look like a three-four defense. Like it look, it looks like oh, they're in their base three-four, but it's actually a two safeties playing one as a stack backer and one as an edge player. Like that's just that's the way this team comes out and plays, and it's it makes it very tough to prepare for.
1: No question. All
0: right, Uh, Um, I want to ask you about some of the personnel while we're talking about from a, a. you know, a matchup standpoint. Um, Stefan Gilmore, they signed over from Buffalo, uh, has been a very, very good player for them. But just Talk about what, what makes him the quality of corner that he is. Well, first of all, and, and- I think this is probably
1: overlooked a lot when you talk about corners. You and I, when we do our college tape study, as people who do college tape study do, we look at the traits, change of direction, transition, you know, all those things that we like to jot down and make ourselves feel like we're really smart. Try to. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And he certainly has all that. Yeah. But I think he's really, really competitive.
0: I mean, that's a trait. People hear, uh, I say this all the time, uh, and it's, it's really important, especially at that position. No question. Yeah.
1: Especially in today's NFL where... You just never know when pass interference will be called, if there's any kind of contact whatsoever. Uh, But he's super competitive. And I think one thing that I've noticed, and I've had this conversation with my good buddy Matt Bowen when we've talked, you know, doing the matchup show. He's taught me a lot about secondary play. Is one thing I think Gilmore is really good at. When a receiver does get his hands on the ball, he's really good at then playing through Mm -hmm. the receiver to knock the ball out. And that's a trait too. Yeah. And I think he's really, really good at it. Because every corner gets beat. Yep. No question. It's what happens when you get beat.
0: Well, that's why I was... And when I
1: say beat, I don't mean a guy's five yards behind him. yeah.
0: Yeah. I, to me, like I talk, when you talk about competitiveness at the corner spot, you know, th- that's one of the things I love most about Jalen Mills is that it's like you said, every corner gets beat over the course of a game. Whether you get beat on a play, you get beat early in the play, you get beat late in the play, right. you know, how, do, how does a guy recover? Does he show the ability? To, oh, he doesn't panic. He comes back. He plays through the hands. Is he going to battle uh, at the point of attack in the run game? Is he going to battle at the line of scrimmage and press coverage? You know, all those things. And then if he does get beat, how does he bounce back? You know, does he show the ability to kind of recover from those? Those kind of things, and you know, one play flush it and keep going. All those things, I think, show up in on, on the greatest corners. Um, you know, and certainly Gilmore is one of those guys. And
1: the other thing, and this is not just true of Gilmore, but a couple of plays stand out to me. Yeah, is I think they're so good, their corners, at playing the technique that the coverage requires. Yeah, okay, and and I, I think sometimes we lose sight of that mm. because I, I know for a fact that the Patriots when it comes to teaching, are so strong on the little nuances of technique. That's what they teach. So, you know, let's say you're playing cover one, and cover one has a single high safety, and then it's man-to-man across the board. And a receiver runs a route toward the middle of the field where you know you have safety help right there. That single high safety is going to be behind you they have such a great feel Gilmore's really good at this but they all are to a certain extent such a really good feel for understanding exactly when to undercut the route yep and and that's a science you know that's not just oh let me try it now right you know and i think the patriots are so good at those little details in coverage that they take away throws yeah or if the quarterback does throw it he throws it to a corner that's in a very good tailgate or undercut
0: position, mm. and it makes the completion much more difficult. I think the the teams that we've seen the really good defenses over the last few years that you know maybe major in like one you know the Legion of Boom with cover three. Even you know we've we talked about Sean McDermott a couple weeks ago in Buffalo and what right. they do a quarter standpoint. When you play a, a lot of this one coverage or this one type of coverage, yes. You'd start to get really good at it, right? right. So that's, that's one of the benefits uh, of being that way defensively.
1: Well, and, and that's you know just as an aside, that's the debate with coaches about coaches that love to do a lot of different things, right?
0: keep you guessing and, and every once in a while then do, they have yep.
1: busts because they're trying to do a lot of things yep. or the coaches that say hey we're going to play one or two coverages for the most part I mean no one just plays one or yep. two but I mean for the most part
0: yep and they then end up playing them really well yeah correct me if I'm wrong I mean those Baltimore Ravens defenses that did so well I mean they they kept people guessing like yes, constantly right so you didn't know what was coming and
1: normally for those defenses to work you need a coach that's been there a while and a core group of players that have been there a while
0: sure yes no question Um, I'm going to read off some of these other names, and if there's anything else that bounces off, like from a secondary standpoint, you're just talking about
1: the players, not how I think they're going to match up yet.
0: Yeah, I want to get to the matchups after. Okay, all right. So you got the McCourty twins, Jason McCourty and Devin McCourty. Jason is by the 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 way, Devin McCourty
1: is to me the best back end safety in the NFL.
0: Mm. I would say, I mean, yeah, I would, I would say that probably matches up with what you see on film. Patrick Chung uh, at strong safety. Um, other guys that kind of play key roles, Jonathan Jones is one of their big nickel players. Number uh, 31, Jay- he's their slot corner yep. for the most part. Again,
1: not every snap. Not every snap. But for the
0: most part. Well, certainly not every <laughs> snap. Uh, J.C. Jackson uh, is also a big player. A for player him. I loved coming out of
1: Maryland. Yep. And I know that he had issues in his previous stop, which I think was Florida. I believe so, yes. And therefore, I think some people shied away. Yep. I, I actually, when I watched him in college, thought that he could be a Bill Belichick-type player, mm. and it just kind of worked out that You way. see those sometimes, yeah.
0: every once in a while. Then uh, Daron Harmon probably fits that bill as well. Uh,
1: no question. Yeah, Coming out of Rutgers. Rutgers, yeah. Yep. You say, yeah, he Absolutely. would fit well in that kind of a yeah. scheme.
0: Um, all right, so we've talked about some of the names now. How do you feel that they will try and deploy these guys against the Eagles pass catchers?
1: I've been thinking a lot about this, and again, it doesn't mean I'm going to be right about what I think, but yep. I, you know. I think that when you look at the Eagles' offense, the player I think that you have to take away in the past game is Zach Ertz. Okay. Would you agree with that for uh, the I, most part?
0: Yeah, and I would say that a lot of teams have tried to do that through, you know, through, I mean, you look at Detroit I and mean, Matt Patricia, they they tried to bracket Ertz. No and they question. Did some, they did, did some different no things. No question. Yep.
1: And even... Um,
0: who the Eagles just say? Chicago. Chicago, yes. Even in, in, they, there was
1: a critical third down, and we spoke about this last week where they technically bracketed him yep. and he actually cut outside of the corner screen, who should not have allowed him to cut outside, yep. and they converted a big third down. Right. Um, but I, I I think back to last year in the AFC Championship game.
0: Okay, so there was okay. uh, Patriots and Chiefs. Patriots, Chiefs.
1: Chiefs. And obviously, the Chiefs have Tyreek Hill. The Eagles don't have that player. So the Patriots doubled him on almost every snap. Mm. But what they did with Travis Kelsey, who's more athletic than Ertz, in the context of the offense, he may not be more important than Ertz is to the Eagles, but he's a more athletic guy. Right. What Belichick did in that AFC championship game is he put J.C. Jackson on him man-to-man pretty much the whole game. Now, I don't want to sit here because I didn't just study it this before I Walked came into in, the yeah. building, sure. but that's what they did. So maybe there were some snaps where they did bracket him, or maybe they did double him. What, I can't answer that for right. sure. Yep. But the general concept was J.C. Jackson, a big physical corner, matched up on Travis Kelsey, and he did a phenomenal job. Kelsey mm. was a not a factor at all as a receiver in mm. that game. So my thought process is, do they do that with Ertz? Right. And because they're a man-to-man team. That's yep. their core. That's their foundation. And do they line up J.C. Jackson on Ertz? And, you know, maybe on some third downs, they they bracket him or double. Yeah. But overall, hey, that's your guy. Right. We're going to line you up. You play him.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting because I feel like, you know, what you've heard, and we've seen this from Belichick in the past, is, you know, they're going to try and bracket a team's number one guy, and then they would take, like, back when they had, like, Revis, we're gonna take Reeves, and he's gonna go one-on-one right. with the number two guy because we trust him to go on sure. an island and take the bracket and take away the number one. Right,
1: because then what you do is you add extra defenders to play everybody else. Right. Now, they could put Gilmore, I don't think Gilmore will play Ertz personally, right. but you never know with Bill Belichick. Sure. But they could they could also put Gilmore on um Nelson Aguilar and double. Uh, Jeffrey, you never know. Right, yep. uh, You never know with Belichick. But but I just think he's going to look at Ertz as the player. He's not going to want to walk out of of, uh, the stadium on Sunday and say, oh, we would have won the game, but Zach Ertz beat us. Right. That's not the way Bill Belichick thinks.
0: Right. So let me ask you this thing, uh, because we're going to talk about this. It'll be a segment you're going to break down on Eagles game plan. So if you want a really thorough film breakdown, make sure you check that out later this week. What are the ways to defeat bracket coverage? You mean with that player who's being yeah, bracketed? With that, with, well, actually, I guess, yes. I mean, I guess that's the, a good question. That's theoretically, good yes.
1: you shouldn't be throwing the ball Right. There. You don't want to
0: throw the ball to <laughs> no. him. Uh, so what, I mean, what are the ways that you can try and do it if you're going to that guy or not going to that guy? Are there ways from a schematic standpoint that come to mind that you say, okay, this is a good tactic to try and use against a Well, team I think what you can
1: do is you can do certain things that take away the bracket. Mm. You know, you can use motion. You can get a motion to a stack and then create a situation where it's much more difficult to Bracket that receiver, then right. based on his his release stem, yep. things like that. You don't want to just line up a receiver in a stagnant spot where they can set the bracket up, and then y- you should really shouldn't be throwing to that receiver. Right, but you can do motion, which the Eagles do a lot of, whether it's across the formation or a turn motion, just something that that prevents the bracket from settling in before the snap of the ball.
0: Also, I'll say this: We've got a couple clips from Super Bowl Fifty Two where they bracketed Ertz and they found ways to attack those brackets. So take, and Greg okay. will be breaking that down. So make sure you keep an eye out for that uh, on Eagles game plan later this week. All right. When we're talking about the secondary, you mentioned it's a lot of a lot of man coverage. We've seen a lot of cover zero from this team. Uh, and I think the they'll do that year. at times in this that game. That was going to be my question is, do you think that they're going to be a blitz heavy in this game against Carson Wentz?
1: Blitz heavy is a relative term. Of course. Obviously. Uh, I think they will bring out zero blitz. At times, uh, I think you'll see it on third down. You might see it in the red zone where Bill Belichick has been known to do that for years and years and years. I can remember seeing it on first down out of base. I mean, you never know with Bill Belichick. But I think the concept
0: of zero blitz, Mm. he will do that in this game. So knowing this, what is this? Obviously, we're talking about big picture, like beating the blitz. But now taking this back, knowing everything that we've talked about, the, coverage, the matchups and coverage, right. the potential for, for heavy blitz, um, zero at times, cover one at times. What are you thinking from a game plan standpoint well, for the Eagles offense? What does this mean going there's on? There's
1: one other thing I think Belichick's going to do. Okay. What do you got? I think when Carson Wentz is in the gun and Miles Sanders is offset okay. and it's second or third down, Yep, he's going to use what I call the bullseye tactic. Okay. He's going to take the outside edge player, right. whether it's Van Noy, whether it's Simon, whoever don't, it is. Don't let him get a free release. And they're going to run right at him yeah. and smack him, mm. just like he did to Marshall Falk in the Super Bowl when they beat the Rams mm. 18, 19 years ago. Mm. I call that the bullseye tactic. Other people might have different names. Right. I don't think he's going to let Miles Sanders out on a free release and be involved in the passing game.
0: Well, especially after Super Bowl 52 with Corey Clement. I mean, that would, right. he was such a big player out of right. the backfield in that game. You know, with a guy but who's more that, dynamic than that in Sanders, right. so you and don't I want think that to happen. They probably didn't see Clement that way. Of course, that's what I mean. Yes, exactly. I think they'll see Sanders that way. Right. Hmm. Interesting. So that's just something else to it's look something f- to keep an eye for on. in this game. So I get guess for, to defeat that, that's one of those things where… That's a where, tough deal. Yeah, I mean, you're they They'll trying,
1: sacrifice pass rush Yep. to… To take Sanders out.
0: Right. I mean, because they're, they're not a when team. When he's offset. Not if he's in the eye. They're not a team that you look at and say, like, oh, man, you've got to you stop Chandler Jones. You've got to stop Trey Flowers. They like, don't have the
1: one guy you look at. They've got a bunch of guys. They've
0: got 32 sacks in nine games. I know. The third in the league. They're
1: really good with stunts. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. They're really good with, with guys who you don't even think about.
0: Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler. Adam Butler, Butler right. a, a
1: free agent from Vanderbilt, who, by the way, I watched coming out because he yep. played on the same team with Zach Cunningham. Right. And I actually thought Adam Butler could play in the NFL <laughs> And I guess Belichick feels the same way. We,
0: we, I'm going to be talking about him very, very shortly, yeah. so I'm glad you, uh, you share. I didn't know that you felt that way about him. Yeah. Out. Um No, but they, they're very, they very... Jamie Collins, big, big part of what they very do. Very athletic. The start point. Yep. He, Van
1: Noy is a critical... Kyle Van Noy is a really good player for them. Yep. Now, I don't know what his stats are because he's not necessarily a sack guy. Yep. My
0: guess is he's not going to have 150 tackles, but he's a really important part of what they do. Yep. Uh, so you look at, from a, at the second level... John Simon, Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower—these uh, are guys that are interchangeable. They kind of move in, or, you know, inside, outside, they off the ball, off I the really, line of scrimmage. Alandon like, Roberts plays in. There's base. one of the
1: linebacker I really like. He got hurt last year. I'm trying to I'm think, think of his name.
0: All right, Jawan Bentley, Jawan Bentley. Purdue kid.
1: That's it. He was yeah. there last year and he, he got start, hurt.
0: Yeah, he started for them early in the year. Yeah, last hurt. year yeah. he
1: played a lot early, yeah. and I loved him on tape. And then I think he was
0: lost for the season. Yeah. and he's back now. I didn't love him at Purdue. Well, I, I didn't player. watch him at Purdue, yeah, so I, I no, can't I, answer I, that. Yeah, because he had, had a, him and another teammate came out. I right, the other. But I, I think
1: he's a good player.
0: Yeah, he's into a nice player for them. Yeah, um, play a lot of those guys, and they, they're used. That's sh- why they're a tough watch. I mean, they play a lot of guys. <laughs> you know, we mentioned. All right, so Dietrich Wise, uh, Danny Shelton is a is a brick house, and in, in, in the on he the he was inside a first there. round pick. First round pick out of Cleveland. Shalik Calhoun, th- or fourth round pick, who some people thought could have gone higher, right. uh, by Oakland. Um, Chase Winovich. When you talk about Winovich uh, what, is
1: a good player too. So like
0: what? So oh, what is does you know what does Chase Winovich do well? Oh, he's really good on you know stunts and twists. High effort players. All they do is say, oh it's th- oh it's second and eight. All right, we're gonna run a te stunt with Adam Butler and Chase Winovich. Those guys play so well off of each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean really good with stunts and twists. They're really
1: good with stunts. It's a tough deal.
0: So it's a, a big assignment game, game plan game from a uh, protection standpoint. Without for the question. Line. Uh, speaking of the offensive line, Brandon Brooks. Uh, I saw. Big extension. Highest paid guard in football. I saw. He got Fran Duffy money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Okay. laughs> I am not even going down that road. Uh no, I think when you when you look at Brandon, I mean he's uh certainly the way that he's played. He's a game, really good player. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's been awesome. Yeah. So I'm really really happy for yeah. him uh, to get that kind of extension. Um but yeah, big week for the for the Eagles offensive yep. line in this game uh just because from what from a mental standpoint a lot
1: of pre-snap recognition yes. is required because you know, you and I don't quite study it in that kind of detail because otherwise we just can't. Right. But I, there's always tells. And so it's a big homework week.
0: Yeah, big homework week. Yeah. Um anything else? Uh, defense. I think we've kind of covered it for no, uh, the good Patriots' on the defense. defense. All right, let's go over to the I think I got the
1: points in that I think could happen in the game.
0: They've got this uh this quarterback, uh Tom Brady. Uh so you gotta worry about him. It's kind of important.
1: You know, for for us, you know, who know him, we call him T B twelve.
0: Right. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you've had plenty of conversations right, with them right. in the past. Um, so you and Tom, the, right, you know, right. on the first thing we hang bases. out. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. Um, the number, the numbers aren't great. But like, I'm watching. I'm watching their offense again today, and I'm buzzing through. And like, you know, the third, it's third well, and twelve. You see him step up in the pocket, yeah. and he delivers this ball over the middle of the field. He's like, oh, okay. There's pocket movement. There's poise. You see every like. I think it's all still there from a from a execution standpoint. I just think that the numbers obviously have not been great this year. I think there's a couple of things that okay. you hope from an Eagles
1: perspective okay. can, what do you, can what do you be say? positive for them. Okay, They're not running the ball like they did last year over the final seven, eight weeks. I think
0: the line play hasn't been as great.
1: I agree. Yeah. I think that the loss of Devlin, the fullback, by mm. the way, has been a big factor. Yep. Because down the stretch last year, all the way through the Super Bowl, they became a 21-personnel offense yeah. to some degree. I mean, obviously, when I say that, not 100% of the snaps, right. but— and 21, meaning two backs and a tight end. Of course, thank you. And, of course, yep. the tight end was Gronkowski, who they don't have right
0: now. But... I love how you throw the right right now in there, because... You never know. Open. Yeah, right. You sure. never know.
1: Well, he won't be there this Sunday. Let's put it that way. He is, he's
0: not going to be there this Sunday. No. And I, the way he looks, I can't imagine. No, no, no. We'll um,
1: and so then they played a lot with two tight ends, and they would use a tight end in the backfield at times as well. Yep. But then the last game they played last week when they lost... They played 11 personnel the whole game. Yeah. They did not play with two tight ends. So I don't know what they're going to do this week. Now, tight ends have been injured. I know Ryan Izzo, I think, had a concussion. I believe so. I think Lacoste has a knee. I don't know if they're ready after the bye. Right. You know, we won't know that yet. It's early in the week. it's early in the week, yes. So I don't know if you'll still see 11 personnel or if you'll see more 12 personnel, which had been anywhere from 25 to 30 percent of their
0: snaps Mm. prior to this last game against the Ravens. Right. So the team is also expecting uh, Nikhil Harry at some point. They traded a second-round pick for Muhammad Sanu. Right, um, who played literally every snap in the last right. game. So uh, Julian Edelman, I know, has been battling injuries, but he's right. but he's still out there. So maybe they're an 11-personnel team now,
1: given what they might view as the strength of their offense, which right. could be wide receiver.
0: I, want to ask the, I don't want to change gears that quickly, but the the running backs in the pass game, obviously, a big, well, big factor of what they do. Uh, you start James White. Uh, you talk about with um, Rex Burkhead and even Sonny Michel as well. Uh, all three guys, big parts of what they do in the pass game. And sometimes even Brandon Bolden. That's a good point. Yeah, he caught that wheel route against uh, Washington was the, the for Washington, a touchdown yep. where they
1: got him matched up on Ryan Anderson.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think they regret that bump call on the late motion. So they they if I remember right, they motioned they Bolden in I late. It, I did
1: it in the matchup show. They? Okay. they? moved. He moved Bolden to the right. He, he was an eye back, yep. and then he just moved right. him to the right, yes. and that changed how the Redskins would match up, and they got him matched up on Ryan Anderson, who's essentially an edge pass
0: rusher. Yeah, you don't want him running 30 yards downfield No, the back. No. Even Brandon Bolden's not dynamic, no. you know what you would say, but yeah.
1: James White's probably the most critical guy of this group, although Burkhead's very good as well. And he we, is
0: third in the NFL, James White, in third down conversions, for like catches for third down right. conversions. I mean, he's a big, big part of what they do offensively from the passing game standpoint.
1: And he's good in many different ways. Obviously, he can catch the short pass. He can catch the flat route. He can catch angle routes. Yeah. But he can also catch wheel routes. Uh, we saw him, and I can't remember if it was a wheel route, but it was a vertical route. I, I remember him catching a vertical route against Matt Milano with the mm. Bills a yep.
0: few weeks ago. Yep. Um, he run, he's running like comebacks. He's, right. I mean, he's doing oh, a lot yeah. of different things. Yep. He runs routes like a receiver. So slants, from, slants from out wide. Um, I know they they love to use uh, empty sets. Um, talk, talk about the strength, though, oh, what the positives are of going into empty if you're the Patriots.
1: Well, because they have Brady, he sees everything. Obviously, what happens is you make the defense declare, and he knows where to go with the football. Mm. Brady, to me, the great quarterbacks in this league, and Brady obviously fits that category. Yes. They know where to go with the ball before the ball snapped. And, And I think Brady's as good as there is in that regard. Right. You rarely see, it happens every once in a while, but you rarely see Brady stuck in the pocket. Right, yep. I mean, obviously, look, no quarterback likes to get hit, get hit. Brady absolutely falls into that category. If you can get to him early in the game, there have been instances over the last couple of years, and I've watched every game, and, and this is, a you know, I, I think ideally this is what the Eagles want to do, but there have been instances where he starts to play a little fast. Yep. And I don't know if you've noticed that at all. Especially there, if you get pressure in his face early. Right. Yep. He starts to play a little fast. Yep. There, there have been snaps where he then sort of feels it when it's not really there and you can yeah. kind of see him flinch for a second. So if you can get early pressure and not let him settle in. Mm. Now, having said that, maybe the Patriots come out and empty. Maybe they do some no huddle, which they do selectively and they're very good at it. Yep. You know, maybe they try to take. Take it to the Eagles in a sense, so the Eagles can't settle in themselves and dictate with maybe some of their pressure concepts.
0: Yeah, I mean the ball, you know, the Baltimore they got to him uh, on a couple overload pressures in the first two drives. Third, the first two third
1: downs, yeah, they got to him with really good overload pressure concepts. Yeah, it was really good stuff. Right now, the Eagles normally don't do that. Right, I, I guarantee it's in their playbook. Right, it's of in course. everybody's playbook. Yep. Uh, so now you have to decide: Do you want to deploy that? Yeah. But the Ravens did a great job on those first two third downs. One of them, they got Brady off his spot, and he just threw it away. The other one, they sacked him.
0: Yeah. Uh, so to me, I think you go back to what we saw from the Eagles last time they took the field against Chicago. What they've done from a front alignment standpoint with this defensive line—you know—we saw some five defensive end lo- or four defensive end looks with uh, with Fletcher Cox. You know, different where you're stacking the right. front one way, uh, doing all different like long, long stunts and trying to get guys looping inside on un- un- you know unblocked. That's an area where right. I wonder if you'll see something like that in this game.
1: Is Isaiah Wynn due to be back this week? I don't. I don't believe so because I. I think I, I read that. I have was to check on that. It is early in the week. I but I don't know what kind. Of, practicing could be a lot of things. Sure. Yes. Um, because I think he's a good player and will be a good player if he can just stay healthy and get right. on the field. Which he hasn't for a couple of years. No. Yeah.
0: Um, no I think that's going to be something that's obviously big in this game. That's why a guy like Fletcher Cox, you know, whoever's right. lined up inside if it's Brandon Graham lined up inside and on uh sub package downs getting pressure to him early up front. Right, I mean, You can say that for every quarterback, but for especially right. for Brady to try and get to him, that's that's the way to do no it. No question. And I think to some degree you have to do that. Although they're
1: not as as I, and I'm sure they've, they've scored a lot of points this year. I don't know what their points per game are, but just watching them on tape, I think they're missing some things that they had a year ago. Mm. And obviously, the, the player, Gronkowski, is a big factor, but the run game is just not the same it's right, not, right, right, right now. Yeah. Right, you know, maybe it will become that, but it's not the same right now.
0: They're 30th right now in yards per carry. 3.3 uh, yeah, 3. 3 yards per right. carry. Um, scoring their middle of the pack. Uh, passing, they're a little bit lower in yards per attempt, yards per catch. The the, the offensive numbers not definitely not as good. I mean, third down, no. third down conversions, they're not as good. They're middle of the road completion percentage on third down is 52%. That's 30th in the league. Right. So uh, the you know the numbers across the board haven't been great offensively. I think it's mostly my just me guess, I would say offensive line play has had as uh, I would say the biggest contributing factor, although they've had a lot of injuries in the pass catchers and, you yeah. know, Philip Dorsett was out and then he comes, he comes back. Josh Gordon was in and out uh, before he was released and you kill. Know, Harry's been out the whole season. So, um, you know, Edelman's been battling stuff. So they, they've, you know, kind of, let me ask you about this thing. Um, they trade for Mohamed Sanu. How do you feel he fits big picture uh, into this offense? Because I think a lot of people feel with the absence of Gronk, having a guy in the middle of the field like right. that is where he can kind of fill in. And I think I, I think
1: they're less beholden to outside inside the mm-hmm. way they think about how they line people up. Right. Because most yeah. people say, "Oh, Julian Edelman's the slot receiver." But he isn't. He isn't. Right. As you know from watching their <laughs> exactly, tape. Yeah. Just like Sanu, you know, he's a slot guy. Well. Not necessarily for them.
0: Right, they can't all be slot (laughs) guys. Exactly, (laughs) right.
1: So, you know, I think he fits very well because I think he has a really good feel for finding voids in zone. I think he has a very good feel for uncovering. I think he'll pick up a lot of their choice and option routes, Mm. which happen after the snap of the ball. Mm. I think he's that kind of receiver.
0: So what are the, the keys to the game for this Eagles defense then?
1: Well, the Patriots still do try to run the ball. Yep, they're not just—they're not out. They're just
0: going to mail it in. No, no, for sure,
1: no. So again, this is not a profound statement, yep. but no. they, you have to keep them running the way they've been running, which is not particularly good. Yep. And then I think absolutely, and it has to start early in the game. You have to make Brady feel pressure. It's not sacks. If you sack him, great. Yep. But you have to make him feel that he has to play a little bit faster than he wants to. Mm because we've seen him do that at times. Yep. Um, and then I would say, and, and I'm curious to see what Jim Schwartz does, the Eagles are normally not a double team when they play. They typically have they not, not been. Yeah.
0: They've done it a little bit in the past. We've yeah. seen it against Julio. We've seen it at times with the like, Antonio Brown a few years ago in I Pittsburgh. I remember. Uh, there, was, there was some time, but not I'd often. I'd be
1: curious to see if he feels that Julian Edelman needs to be doubled Mm. in specific. Game situations, yeah.
0: The, the ways that they've done you know, the quote unquote doubles in the past right. have been they're going to play quarter quarter half, and they're going to play half over you know right, safety right. over the top but to the boundary. They
1: normally don't do what we call a dedicated correct, double. yes. Right. They don't
0: really don't really see that. So right. against a guy like Edelman, We've seen him where you do Beckham don't know
1: where, double him at times, exactly. Yeah, right. That's a good point. Right. But the, the, with right. a guy
0: like Edelman, where you don't know where he's going to line up, it becomes saying, hard saying oh we're going to put a safety right. over the top doesn't right. work that way. And then you then you get
1: a, you have to be a little careful because Edelman moves around and he also goes in motion a lot, yep. and you don't want to get stuck. Where hey, you and I were supposed to double him, and now he moves, and now someone else has no to. No one's doubling. No and, one's and covering. The, and then you get exactly, and then you <laughs> right. get stuck, right? You know, so you have
0: to be a little careful with that yeah. because don't forget the Patriots will know this too. Sure. Uh, of course, It's it's gonna it, it's gonna be a fun matchup. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Um, you know, it's on both sides of the ball. A lot of really interesting uh, games within the game and one on one matchups. It'll be a lot of no fun question. to watch and uh, with both teams having a little bit extra time to kind of self evaluate and also prepare for each other. Right. Uh, it should make for a really fun chess match.
1: No, and I think it'll be interesting with the with the Patriots coming in after a loss because you know that Belichick, it's it's you know he probably did a lot of self evaluation. Rough, rough two weeks, yeah. Probably. Yeah. No probably, question. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Well, let, let me ask you this: uh, big week of uh, college football. Did you take in any uh, college? Well, games I watched
1: the Alabama uh, LSU game. A hell of a game! It was it was a fun game to watch. I mean, LSU, I thought, kind of dominated the game. Yeah, they did.
0: You know. I mean, the way that Bama came, came back you know, it was impressive. Quarter, there was, that was that was impressive. Um, a lot of guys on both sides. Oh, my God. As as There's going to be a lot game. of pros. Yeah. yeah. I was, and I, I watched uh, 12 o'clock. I watched the Penn State-Minnesota game yeah, as I well, which was also game. a great one.
1: Um, I didn't see that one. Yeah,
0: it was a fun game. Was, um,
1: what was on at night? I'm trying to remember what I watched at night.
0: So you had Oklahoma-Iowa State. Turned out to wouldn't be a nice game. Yeah, I watched uh, a little Oklahoma of that, not butt, too much. Pulled one out late. In, uh, Clemson, North, NC yeah. And Clemson-NC North State. I started there... Uh, full full disclosure. Fell asleep. which Was twenty eight nothing by the end of well, the first yeah, quarter. Yeah. So fell asleep during the game. Woke up for a mid mid to late third quarter for Oklahoma. Went over there right. and watched them. Just the. I got admit, out.
1: I've just seen TV, and I don't know if you've taken a peek at him on tape at all. Yeah. But I was. It was the first full <laughs> LSU game I watched. I've yeah. seen bits and pieces. I was impressed with Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow might be real dealish. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's one of those guys. Just again, all this is TV yeah. watching. I think he's a loose, easy thrower. He's not a gun, but he can make the throws. Yep. Um, he's, I think he's one of those guys that's kind of naturally accurate. Mm, yeah. I think he just puts the ball where it needs to be.
0: He he's going to be very interesting because he's not like toolsy. He's not as toolsy as Justin Herbert or no. Jordan Love or even Tua. But I think I did watch Jordan Love by the way. They played at night. Oh, they played. That's right. He had apparently was. I know statistically it was a very. Good he game. had a
1: very good game.
0: That's the. I knew there was a game I watched there at goes, night yeah. and I couldn't. You know, it was two win. days ago. I can't remember. Yeah, of course, <laughs> You've watched a lot of football. Since I that know, point. I know. Um, well, no, it's. <laughs> I, I I'm glad that you uh, you bought that. It was a it was a very good game. Really fun game to watch. Yeah. Uh, but Burrow's going to be very interesting just because um, you know he's playing the position very, very well. Correct. How you discern that from who's a better prospect, it's going to be an interesting discussion over the next few months.
1: Without question. And I think he's going to be one of the... I don't want to say he'll be polarizing because I don't... My guess is no one's going to say they they hate him. Right. But... Now we're talking about—is he a top one or two or three pick in a draft? Of course, that's a different question.
0: Well, I caught up with uh, Eagles' Vice President of Player Personnel, Andy Weidel, this week on the Journey uh, of the Draft podcast. Uh, I actually talked with him about what he was doing during that Alabama LSU game. So, uh, if you want to g- check out that interview, that'll be on the Journey of the Draft podcast, uh, driven by AAA, later this week. Wow! All right. So a little plug. I was a little cross. Yeah, nicely done. Oh, thank nicely you. Nicely done. Uh, all right. Well, Greg. Excited to break this this game down with you next week uh, here on the Eagle Line in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Thanks, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Well, great stuff from Greg, and you could follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of the X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on any form of social media. But the best way... To promote the show and to help the show is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. And I want to give a shout out to a couple of people who did that over the last couple of weeks. We'll start off with Ryan K, 823, who left a five-star review and left a question saying, Hey Fran, love the coverage breakdowns with Greg. Do you know more about the Eagles' coverage tendencies, i.e., how often they are in a form of cover three versus quarters versus man? I feel that they are a single high most frequently to be stout against the run, but I would like to see more two high looks to help out the corner. So, uh, Ryan, it's a really good question, and, and yes, the Eagles are primarily a single high team, but uh, they do go into split safety looks. We've seen them play in; uh, they've, we've seen them play quarters coverage. They've been a big Tampa two team in the past. I know early on when Jim Short here they played a lot of Tampa too uh, particularly on third down um, and honestly a lot of the this Covered the Tampa 2 invert that a lot of people uh, have talked about. That is kind of seen as a too high look as well, not necessarily a single high look because there's no safety in the deep post. So, um, you know, and that, that's a little bit of an inverted coverage. But I think, yeah, certainly they mix things up because you don't want to be always one thing or the other. They do mix things up, primarily single high. I think the big thing to keep in mind, though, uh, you know, look, the Eagles, they put a priority on stopping the run, and they're a top five run defense this year. Uh, obviously, that's with uh, a tough outing against the Dallas Cowboys a few weeks ago there are a top five run defense typically when you're going to be a, a really good run stopping team you're gonna be a single high team because you've got that extra man down close to the line of scrimmage you're going to be playing primarily with too high that now removes a defender from the box and you're gonna open things up for opposing run games so that's one thing to keep in mind the other thing too is that it's not all about hey you know playing with two high safeties doesn't solve everything like we've talked about many times on the show Every coverage has holes. Every coverage has weaknesses. So, you know, you could play whether it's cover two or two man, any kind of form of split safety coverage teams can find ways to poke holes in it. You still have to be very sound. You still have to be very good uh, at the corner spot. You have to be, uh, be tight in coverage underneath. We saw uh, last night against the group with the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, they gave up that or they uh, had that huge completion to Jimmy Graham down the seam and Troy Aikman, you know, talking, oh, you know, how could the, uh, Carolina allow Jimmy Graham to get down the seam wide open like that? they were in cover too. And Aaron Rodgers did a great job and it was a wide open. It was next play in the passing game. Uh, Jimmy Graham was wide open. So, Every coverage has its holes. Every coverage has its weaknesses, but it's important to just be able to play sound technique no matter what position, what coverage you're playing in. Everybody's got to know their role. Everybody's got to do their job and execute to a high level. Otherwise, you're going to give up some big plays. But yes, to answer your question, they are primarily single high. They do mix in some two high looks at times. Uh, the definition of too high is, I guess, what uh, you know some people get caught up in, but uh, plenty of split safety looks uh, with this team. But all right, let's get to the next one. Uh, Teeth, 2-1-5, left a five-star review saying how much they appreciate the podcast and listen every week uh weiss a later one left a five-star review as well saying it's a one-of-a-kind podcast that both teaches and entertains the listeners so uh weiss really appreciate i really appreciate all three of you and everybody out there for listening to the podcast each week and for everybody that has gone on and left a rating left a comment on our apple podcast page or wherever podcasts can be found all right Let's make the next jump here uh, to the next part of the show. It's time for Scouting Report. I told you earlier we're going to break down kind of an uh, uh, underrated p- uh, player on this Patriots defense and a guy uh, that really doesn't get talked about enough. And I would say that's defensive tackle Adam Butler. Uh, th- th- this is a third-year player now uh, out of Vanderbilt. We're going to break him down now on Scouting Report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. All right, so I wanted to break down Adam Butler because I think it's a a really interesting conversation to have, you know, because he was a guy that uh, was very unheralded coming out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, he had some production in the SEC. I want to say he may have uh, been one of the leaders in in production from a sack standpoint, from a TFL standpoint, over the course of his career with the Commodores, but very interesting start to his NFL career, and I want to kind of get into it. Let's get into my notes. I watched him for a few games down there at Vandy. He didn't go to the Senior Bowl. He wasn't at the Shrine game. I'm not even sure that he was even at the Combine. I think he was at the Combine, but definitely was... Was underrated throughout the course of the process he was a three-year starter at nose tackle in that 3-4 scheme down there for Derek Mason 6'4 293 so a little bit tall but he was light and he played lighter than 293 during his time at Stanford so or during his time at Vanderbilt so this is a guy that um, it was a little bit light, not the prototypical nose tackle but he had a really good first step he gained a lot of ground uh, could threaten edges as a penetrator off the ball good athlete had the quickness to win at the line of scrimmage and the burst to close into the backfield teams tried to to trap him, I remember watching him. Uh, teams tried to trap him, pull a guard from the backside, and kind of take him out of the play. He was able to recognize that, showed the quickness to defeat those blocks and get to the football. As a pass rusher, his go-to move was a hand swipe, one in a lot of different ways. Though he could, you know, typically if he got blocked high side, he showed the ability to spin back in. So smart, high side pass rusher had the ability to penetrate, make plays in the backfield. Used very often, by the way, on stunts and twists because of his athleticism. He was very, very effective in that role. We're to to why that's important here in a little bit. Uh, the negatives, he wasn't a powerful player, didn't get a lot of uh, ability to collapse the pocket there as a bull rusher. He could get displaced in the run game. I was worried overall about his play strength and his ability to hold up. There were times where he tried to play low and he locked out and he looked the part but too often he got stuck on blocks or got put on the ground. I thought he was on the ground way too much at Vanderbilt. I wanted to see him finish better as a tackler as well. I thought he left some production on the field, again, going back to that play strength. So, Ultimately, what I wrote down about Adam Butler was: looks like a developmental prospect, more of a penetrator and a disruptor than a point of attack run defender. Like his first step and his overall athleticism, but he needs to get stronger before being relied on to be a full-time contributor in an NFL defense. So, how does this relate now to the projection from college to the NFL? And I think a lot of people will say, you know what, it's all about what a player can do and not what he can't do. You know, I was worried uh, about his play strength. And I said, you know what, he's—it's going to take time before he's relied on to be a key part of an NFL defense, which he increasingly has done that. He's more, every single year, 2017, the year these two teams met in the Super Bowl, that was his rookie season. He only played in their dime sub package where they played with three down linemen. They did all kinds of blitzes and stunts and twists, all kinds of things. So this guy was never, hey, I'm going to line up in the A-gap and I'm going to rush the A-gap. He was always being moved around. So what I love about this projection is that this was a guy that certainly had flaws coming out of college and some things that honestly are very tough for me to get past. You know, if you're talking about a defensive lineman, interior player who struggles to hold up against the run on a consistent basis, I struggle seeing how he's going to be able to compete in the NFL, you know, and be a key contributor. Uh, You're talking about a player that, um, you know, was inconsistent into being able to finish tackles. I I had concerns about, okay, is this going to be a guy that you're going to be able to play, uh, you know, and be a key contributor? They found a nice little role. He was a niche player for them early on in his career. They've continued to expand on that. Now, as he's gotten a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more refined, he's gotten better across the board in all areas of his game. Now he's not just a specialty package for them anymore. Now you can see him worked into their other different dime per- packages up front. You can see him worked into some of their nickel packages up front. So I think when you look at a player like an Adam Butler, if you're a fan of college football and you like following the NFL draft and you know trying to see, okay, how is this guy going to – Project to the league it is always important to try and keep in mind this is what a guy does well now if is he going to go to a team that's going to try and leverage what he does well let's not ask him to do things that are going to put him in a bad position and what can he do well those are the things we're going to ask him to do I mentioned he was really good on film on stunts and twists he goes to New England What does New England ask him to do they're going to ask him to do different stunts and twists now this being said It's not, we're talking about this actually this week on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We got a great question uh, from a listener. We're going to talk about it this week on the show. It's not just about what a guy did at the the college level. Okay, we're going to take it, it's apples to apples. We're going to take it and put it into the NFL. It's also what can a guy do for you? So maybe Adam Butler, let's say he wasn't used often on stunts and twists. That might be a projection that, you know, the Patriots or any NFL team. They bring Adam Butler in for a workout before the draft, and they have him do all kinds of drills where you're going to see his athleticism on display. You're going to see that lateral quickness, that ability to turn a tight corner and and explode and, and get to the cone quickly, and you say, you know what? This guy wasn't used on stunts and twists a lot throughout the course of his career, but we think in our scheme he could really do that at a high level. And I think uh, really we, you know, if you want to bring this back to the Eagles – Go to Miles Sanders. You know, Miles Sanders was not a big time pass catcher during his one year as a starter at Penn State. He was not a big featured part of the passing game. And that was a question mark. Hey, he's shown a little bit as a blocker. I saw some good things from him in pass protection uh, at Penn State, but. I thought there was a lot of meat on the left on the bone there with him as a pass catcher. He wasn't used vertically down the field. He was used in the screen game, and he caught some catches in the flat, but you didn't see wheel routes. You didn't see sail routes. You didn't see him running down the seam. Now the Eagles work him out. Other teams worked him out. We had James Franklin uh, on the show the day we drafted him, and the head coach of Penn State said, yeah, the feedback we got from NFL teams during the process was – we really love what this guy can do for us in the past game. We wanted to use him that way if he came back his senior year. We just didn't do it enough this year as a junior. And I think when you look at how the Eagles have used Miles Sanders, that's a really good way to say, you know what? This is, this is what a guy has put on film in college – but we've seen him in workouts. We've seen what he can do. We're going to project that he can do this for us in the NFL as an NFL player. It's a really fascinating part of the projection from college to the NFL. One of the things I love most about the NFL draft. So I thought, you know what? Well, let's pick a player that's a little bit off the radar for the Patriots defense. Let's look at an Adam Butler and kind of open up that discussion for projecting college players to the NFL. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. All right. Uh, loaded show here this week. Obviously a big game. Excited to go watch this game here uh, on Sunday afternoon. Eagles versus Patriots. will We'll be back here next Monday night on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade for everybody here at the Novocare Complex. I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.